what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. With me is Chris Fry. We are the co-directors and co-founders of the Foot Candle Film Society and the directors of the annual Foot Candle Film Festival held here in beautiful Western North Carolina. But today we're here not in any of those roles. We're here to talk about movies and films here on Foot Candle Films Podcast. So every episode, oh, Chris, how you doing? I'm sorry. I just I, kind of breezed right by and didn't even I'm like doing, acknowledge doing, you. No. I didn't say hello. <laughs> so how are you doing? I, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. I, this episode is one of the ones, you know, I look forward to every recording, but this one is special because we don't have some mega tentpole blockbuster movie to discuss. The movies that we're going to talk about today, it may be the first time people have ever heard of them. Yes. Um, so that's kind of how we originally founded the uh, the film society that then spawned the podcast, that then spawned the film festival. So it's kind of like this is a roots podcast, you know, independent well, film. Back that's to kinda, our beginnings. Yeah. So it's uh, I'm always excited to record, but this one, you know, it's kind of it's special. So there are no superheroes in either of the two movies we'll be discussing today. Uh, not to my knowledge, unless something slipped by me. But no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so <laughs> Petite Maman is not part of the Marvel MCU. Um, a little back end uh, <laughs> connected pilot. To I, I the, mean, to there the... may be some type of multiverse thing going on there. I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Well, you're, Chris is right. We've got two films we'll be reviewing today on the episode that are not franchises, are not blockbusters, uh, very much back to our roots, like you said, so I think that's a good way of putting it. We will be discussing and reviewing the film's Petite Maman. Uh, that is the one directed by Celine Shiyama, who also did Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And then we'll be also be reviewing the film On the Count of Three, which is the directorial debut of comedian Jared Carmichael, and um, starring him and Christopher Abbott. And we'll get into that film a little bit later as well. So we'll have two films we'll be discussing and reviewing. Then Chris and I will bring up a couple of movie news items, some some items of interest, upcoming projects, or some maybe some announcements being made about films that we want to talk about and dissect a little bit. And then at the end of the episode, Chris and I always give our episode recommendation. You know, Chris and I both come up with one film that we think is worth checking out, uh, worth your time. Could be a brand new film that's just been released that we had a chance to catch up with, or could be a uh, older classic film that we just want to bring back to your attention and give you the option to check it out online if you're so inclined. So, Chris, that is what we've got on tap. Did I cover everything? I believe so. Anything yes. we're missing? I don't think so. Okay. Well, then if not, let's go ahead and jump right into our first review, which is the film Petite Maman. Elle fait de la peine d'être ici. Elle est triste. Elle a préféré partir ce matin. On a décidé que ce serait mieux comme ça. 
Director Celine Siama did gain kind of notoriety when she made Portrait of Lady on Fire back in 2019. Uh, that film was an isolated island, and it was during the 18th century, and there's a female painter, and she's supposed to paint a wedding portrait of a young woman, you know, just very like a period piece, you know, very beautifully shot. And then, you know, rated R, you know, an adult film, adult art film. For her next film, her follow-up, Petite Maman, which came out in 2021, a lot of people saw it then overseas, but it was released in the U.S. just recently. So unfortunately, I don't know how its Oscar hopes are going to bear up because of that. Um, but with this one, she kind of scaled back. It's not a you know sprawling tale with lots of vistas. It's a little story about a girl who's just lost her grandmother. She's helping her parents clean out her mother's childhood home. She's exploring the house and the surrounding woods, and one day she meets a girl her same age building a treehouse. It's rated PG. It's a nice, tight little 73 minutes. Alan, you've seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Mm-hmm. You've now seen Petite Maman. Mm-hmm. Um, what was what was your experience with this film? And, you know, did you find it kind of a nice entry into the catalog of Celine Siama? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, it, it, it is it, just as you described it, it is a very, it's a very sweet, very simple film. Um, and I can find that being a little uh, off putting to some people. I, I think that people who are used to seeing films that have a lot more, a lot more content, a lot more going on plot wise. And this one, you're right, is fairly simple. Um, and, and it really is a film that honestly, you know, whether or not it works to me depends solely on uh, the two lead actresses that we get to follow in the film, whether they convey what needs to be conveyed to make this story and the messages work. And I, I do feel like they do. I, I think it's enjoyable to watch. Um, how, how much are we going to tap dance around spoilers for this? Um, Cause there is something that, yeah. You know, you know, you, the the, if, the if, trailers for the film, I felt like, at least some of the things I've seen, I felt like I've been pretty felt like spoiling the whole plot oh, to okay. begin with. I did. I never saw a trailer for it. So yeah, okay. I, I'm pretty sure because I, I went in knowing pretty clearly, like this is what this was about from what I saw or read. Okay. So I guess we don't really have to dance around it too much. We can probably be a little more explicit with it. Right. Uh, I'm fine either way. <laughs> well, let's okay. We're just gonna, we're gonna lay it out. There. I don't think this hurts the enjoyment of the film. Okay. People knowing this at all. Gotcha. I really don't. Um, so be warned if you want to go into this film, if you want to go into it fresh, uh, I skip ahead, skip ahead a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's so, a difficult film to talk about without getting, because it really is that it's the whole core tenet of the film. Sure. Um, so yes, the, the, in Chris's description, she meets the, a, a young girl, her same age It's played by a twin actress. They are twin sisters that in are real life. in real life. The yeah. two, uh, two actresses. And, uh, but the, the other one is playing the young girl's mother at her same age. Right. So whether it's, whether there's some science fiction time travel, whether it's all just playing out in the, in the young girl's head, doesn't matter. Does we don't know. Doesn't matter. The whole idea is, is this, the, it, it's this understanding your mother and understanding who she is as a human, as a human being and a person with her, uh, with her joys and with her, her, her issues that she's dealing with getting to see that from a young child's perspective and being able to chance to bond with the mother in a very unique way. And also coping with grief, coping with grief, right? Because everything's couched around this idea of the the grandmother's passing recently. 
So it worked for me. I mean, it is a simple film. Uh, I, I, I didn't feel like visually there was as much going on there as like Portrait of a Lady on Fire and some things that just were a lot more remarkable to me as a film. Things I saw, things, images I remember from that film, scenes I remember from that film. I can't really give you any of that from Petite Maman. It's a very, it's a slight film, but I don't mean that as a negative. It's a film that, yes, it's enjoyable. I think it is the right amount of time. The length of it's perfect. Didn't need a lot more to it. I'm not asking for a lot more for the film. <laughs> it just, it is, it is nice. It's a good little film. I did enjoy it. Uh, I still think Portrait of a Lady on Fire is more of an accomplishment film where I think it was visually I mean, and style and tone and, and acting and everything was just a, a much more of a powerhouse for me. But this one, this one is a good film. I did like it. See, so. I, I think I hold them up equally because I, I do like Portrait of a Lady on Fire and I agree with what you said, but yet it's, it's so different, so mm-hmm. so different. Um, I, I'm curious, and I'd have to do some more research if this was a um, pandemic film, because mm-hmm. I wonder if that informed narrowing down the scope. Because we have, you know, really like three, four, five actors total. There's the mom, there's a dad, there's the two girls, five total. Yeah. So yeah, and then at the beginning, you kind of have you know some older people that are sure. in like a well, retirement home facility, but still very, 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 very scaled down. Um, location wise, you're basically using one location mm-hmm. or maybe technically two. I don't know how they shot it. Um, cause there's like you alluded to, there's some possible time travel or like going to a house, going to the grandmother's house and then going to the grandmother's house 30 years earlier. Right. So did they use the same house or do they just have two cottages and they kind of retrofit them? Don't know. Be interesting mm-hmm. to know the whole process, but, um, I think, and I, I was able to see this film twice uh, because it did come out in 2021 before year end. I got a critic screener and I watched it and I really liked it um, and was disappointed that it probably wasn't going to get any notice. And it didn't. It kind of went under the radar. And I feel kind of like Cyrano that we've talked about previously where that film kind of got kind of goofed around. It's really good and just kind of, it just kind of got glossed over for yeah. performances and stuff. And this is a foreign film and I think that kind of hindered it even more. Um, but I think it's, it's an accomplishment kind of because it is for me, at least it's what I refer to as kind of slow cinema Mm -hmm. (laughs) where there's not a lot of dialogue, definitely not a lot of action. The camera is very slow and deliberate. A lot of times, sometimes a lot of static shots, they're very well composed, Sure, but it's just very simple. And I can see some people just, you know, saying like, yeah, this is, this is not for me. It's just too slow. It reminded me actually because I've been able to see it twice and I picked up on even more things the second time when I saw it, it reminded me kind of the fits, which is a film from yeah, a while I ago. See that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has, you know, some supernatural elements kind of in um, the fits. And this is kind of like that as well, that if you just, if you just watch it, you can be like, eh, it was okay. There's not really that much to it. But the more you start to try to decide what was going on and discuss what was going on mm-hmm. with people you saw the film with, it kind of becomes a richer and richer experience. And yeah. we've screened this for our film society and that was definitely the case. It was one of the most interesting discussions mm-hmm. we've had. Um, I had with the crowd because, you know, some people were able to say, no, you know, I think this is what was going on. It was kind of like a time travel type thing. And other people said, nope, that it was all in the girl's mind. And you say, right. well, okay. But then the father acknowledges seemingly 
the other little girl at one point, and then they said, well, no, I think this girl, little girl is so imaginative that it was just an imaginary friend, that she's been so imaginative in the past that the father was just kind of like playing along. So there are all these like little things that yeah. it just kind of went deeper and deeper and deeper. And I, I, I thought it was, I really appreciate it. And um, I, yeah, I don't really have anything negative to say about it, I guess, which is kind no, of No, I, I, I certainly don't have anything negative uh, to say about the film. I, I think it works. Again, I, I felt like it was a very, it was a very small work for, for all the reasons you, you described. Um, I, I think picking the age of the, the, the girls that we follow, you know, having them be the age they are in the film, probably the right age to pull this off because they're still just young enough that when they start to understand this concept of what's happening, they don't, they're not freaked out about it. They're not, it's like, <laughs> they're like, Oh yeah, this is totally what, the, this right. is what's happening. Oh, you're my daughter from the future. Oh, okay. cool. I got it. Yeah. And it's like, because at that age you're like, yeah, okay. I, I believe it. Sure. Why not? Um, but they also, you know, there's, there is a, an exchange, I will say, even though I, I mentioned that you know, there's not as many standout scenes or moments from the film like like there may have been from um, her previous work. There is a dialogue at the end, towards the end of the film, some of the last dialogue that the two, the two young girls have. Mm-hmm. That was, I felt, very impactful. I think it worked extremely well. And being the age they are to deliver the lines in the manner they had to deliver them. Yes. It worked. And discussion about being her mom being sad. Yes. Yeah. And I think, yeah, scenes, that scene in particular, you could hear people kind of a sharp intake of breath. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Because it's like, whoa. Because hearing two young people at the age, what what age would you say they were? I think they were supposed to be eight. Eight. I was going to say eight or nine. And uh, to be talking so, you know, in a childlike way. I mean, they're not having this deep, you know, uh, discussion, but in a childlike way, letting each other know. Hey, you know, your mother is sad and I, I, I understand that. And this is, this is how you should feel about it. It just, it really brought the whole film home for me. Mm -hmm. I think without that scene, uh, I, I would have walked away probably feeling like there wasn't a lot here at the end of the day, but that scene for me brought it all together, made the whole hour 15 minute experience work. Um, yeah. So I did, I I did like the film. I want to get that on record. Sure. Sure. It was a good film. Again, just very, very small, very slight, very, very simple, very petite, um, but it, but it worked. Yeah. I, so I, I appreciate that scene and there were, there's, I think a lot of the dialogue, maybe not, but there were specific lines of dialogue that would be said that would kind of really hit home. That was a scene that was mm-hmm. hit home, but also had some really good dialogue really early in the film. Um, the girl is having a conversation with her mother. She's trying to, the mother's trying to put the kid to bed and the kid keeps asking her all these questions and the mother says, like, why, you know, oh, you know, I'm trying to put you in bed. Why do you always ask so many questions at night? And she's like, because that's the only time I see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and like there again, kind of the timing and the delivery of that was like, whoa, that hit that hit pretty hard towards the end of the film. Um, Marion, who's the mother slash young girl, mm-hmm. you know, depending on which time period we're in. But in this instance, she's a young girl and she's going away with the grandmother in a car and the little girl gets to say goodbye to her. And that kind of has echoes back. And also something that I noticed um, watching it through a second time was there's a lot of emphasis on kind of shadows at a foot of a bed, but also the wind. Mm-hmm. And the wind at that scene also starts blowing as a little girl is saying goodbye to her. So it's, there's, you know, there's little elements here and there that 
I don't know, just seem to resonate more and pick up more the more you focus on the film and if you get to see it twice like I did or whatever. But I, I think there's, you know, it's it's a perfect independent film and it's nice slow cinema because it's short. And if you want to really pick it apart, if you enjoy that type of thing, then uh, yeah, I, I can't recommend this enough. I will say, and I'm wondering what your take is on it. Mm-hmm. Um, also another film that I thought of was a film from many, many, many years ago called The Fall. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it stars this little girl and uh, she's kind of the central figure. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And her name's Katinka something or other. I can't remember her last name. But anyways, it's a very fantastical film, much more so than this. But a lot of the film hinges on how that girl delivers Mm -hmm. lines and like her reactions and everything. And I haven't really seen much else from her. So I'm assuming maybe it was less her and more the director. (laughs) With this film... I already know Celine Siam is a great director. I mean, because I've seen Portrait of Lady on Fire. Um, and I wonder, is it just she happens to have a really amazing knack for working with these two children? Mm-hmm. Or are these children going to blossom and go further? And I, I'm, right. I'm really curious, like, is it just that she's really good in directing children? Or are the children really amazing? Or maybe it's yeah. a combination of both. But uh, what what would you, if you had to get, do you think you have a sense one way or the other? or? You think um, it's, you have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, you got to wait and see. I, I I feel like my gut feel is that it's just she's a good director gotcha. and she knows how to coach these two young actresses to to deliver and, and provide the scenes and lines she needs. That's my gut feel. Now, I could, I'd like to be proven wrong and to see these young girls like really perform in other things and be just as good or, or even better. Right. Um, but my gut feel is I, I just think. I, I think, uh, you know, the directors, she's, I think Celine is a good director. And again, we saw two actresses in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Again, this idea of a dynamic of two, two women, two females kind of in the relationship they form and the, the mechanics of the relationship is what we also get here in this film too, in a way. Um, she said, it seems to have a, a knack for those, the, that dialogue between two women. Sure. And, and, and how it explains and helps you understand the relationship. So, um, I, I she's a good director and I think, uh, I, I would give most of the credit to her, but again, prove me wrong, young girls. Uh, let me see you, <laughs> something else you do later on. And uh, it could be some great actresses on the rise there. I'm curious to see what the, the director does next, because after having something like portrait of lady on fire and then having this, like after seeing portrait of lady on fire, I never would have figured she would have done something that, had a fantastical kind of little element in it. Yeah. Or, you know, so mm-hmm. I don't know. It'd be interesting. I don't know if she's going to be doing a Marvel movie next. Kind of doubt it. <laughs> but I mean, pretty much we'll everybody's see. being courted for Marvel movies. So I would not true. be a complete shock to hear that from someone. So, well, that is Petite Maman. Sounds like we're both positive on it. Chris may be even more positive on it than I am. I, I did enjoy the film. Chris is uh, giving it some pretty high marks here. And uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, it is available for rental. No, it's not. It's not available anywhere yet. Is it? I think, yeah, it was kind of a weird release where I think they did, you know, a North American release in 2022 and it did theaters. And I, I feel like maybe it'll be a VOD soon. I'm not sure, but yeah, right now I think it is still hitting like independent movie theaters. So it may be. Yeah, it's uh, coming June 7th. Okay. It'll be available online June 7th. So, you know, not too long from now, from when we recorded this, uh, it will be available for online. Uh, unfortunately, I, I want to play that up just because this is a film that, unless you live in a, a, a larger city, city with, a, with a bigger theater market, 
you're probably not going to get a chance to see it. So uh, June 7th will probably be the most uh, accessible date online for most people to see. All right, Chris, let's flip over to our second review, which is the film On the Count of Three. What? No. It's a song about suicide. You can't listen to music that exactly describes the emotional thing you're going through. You know how cheesy that is? Uh. I don't listen to Atlantis Morissette when I'm going through a breakup, and I'm not listening to Papa Roach on the day I'm going to kill myself. I get that you've been in like a little bit of a slump lately, but suicide's not the answer to that. I know you think you can solve all your own problems, but that ain't working for you. Go talk to someone. Chris, I am a, uh, I, I have been a Saturday Night Live fan for, gosh, I, ever since I knew the show existed, I guess, uh, <laughs> back when I was a preteen or something sure. in that age. And I always kind of pride myself on, on you know, uh, my favorite hosts that they have on Saturday Night Live are comedians. When a comedian gets to get up on doing the monologue and kind of, you know, give a little bit of their, their comedic bit, you know, uh, there in that show. Well, just a, maybe a month or two months ago, there was a host for an episode of Saturday Night Live that I wasn't familiar with. And that's kind of a rarity for me. It's like, oh, oh, I don't know who this is. Who is this? Jared Carmichael was the was the host. Okay. And he even joked in his monologue that, okay, yeah, you probably all don't have no idea who I am. And it's like he had just come out with his HBO special. Um again, was getting a lot of acclaim for that, but people just didn't know who he was. I had never heard any of his work before. Gotcha. And he was really good. He was a good, um, not only in his monologue, but also on the show. Itself. Well, the show, the show, it, the show's hit or miss on sure. whether or not they, they do really well with their, with their guests on the skits and all, but the monologue he gave was really good gotcha. and enjoyable. So I've been mean to check out his, 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 uh, his, his special that's gotten a lot of acclaim on uh, his HBO special. However, um, this film came about. You mentioned it as a, as an opportunity for us to watch and review on the count of three. I think it premiered at Sundance this year. I believe so. Okay. And interestingly enough, did not know this until I actually queued up the film and started watching that Jared Carmichael not only starring in it, but he directed it. He is a, a directorial debut. So with this film on the count of three, we have uh, it's, it's labeled as a darkly comic feature about two best friends, Val and Kevin. And what they do on spending the last day of their lives together. Um, the film does involve suicide. The idea of a suicide pact between the two that they are looking to murder each other, you know, uh, uh, as a, as a pact that they're doing. And because just they both feel like they are at a point in their life where that they feel like that is a better route for them than, than going forward. So right away, you probably heard me say the word comedy and thinking, okay, this doesn't sound very funny. Um, it is by the broadest stroke, a dark comedy. It if you want to use that term, dark, dark, it is dark. about the darkest kind of comedy. I think a dark comedy could apply for. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just go and say without giving away my, my thoughts on the film, you know, it is obviously very dark subject matter, uncomfortable to watch in many situations and listen to, but given all of that, Chris, Jared Carmichael, we have as a, uh, a new director on the on, on the scene, but also an up and coming and emerging comedian, uh, getting a lot of acclaim for that. Doesn't know what your background was, if you knew anything about Jared Carmichael before this film. But first film directed a very very dark, heavy subject, very anti comedy in many cases. 
what's your take on this film? How did, how did this work for you in general? With all uh, that I, was, I, I have absolutely no familiarity with uh, Jared Car- Carmichael. Um, I think I'd heard that he was a comedian, but other right. than that, I've never seen any of his stuff. Definitely didn't see Saturday Night Live or anything. So completely like new to me. Apparently he had a TV show that ran for like yeah, a year. Like or a sitcom or some yeah, sort. Yeah. Which not, I, mm. I think I'd heard that he the had Carmichael that, but, show. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, a, but oblivious to that as well. Yes. Um, I did go into this film knowing that he was, um, started it and directed it. I was aware of that. And I was like, Oh, that was one of the reasons that I you know, came out of Sundance. I was like, Oh, it's a comedian. He's directing his first film. I did know the subject matter. I'm like, this will be interesting. And, mm. uh, I felt like it was well handled. I mean, it is really, really dark, um, but I feel like it's it's honest. And the jokes that are in there, there are you know a few funny things, but they're not at the expense of taking these subjects seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like it worked, and I feel like for it to be a directorial debut, that's a really tricky, fine line to walk. And I feel like um, I feel like it was successful. I was kind of surprised that the screenplay was by Ari Catcher and Ryan Welch, and it wasn't written by Carmichael mm-hmm. because I felt like, I don't know, just because of the material and it being so weighty and heavy that I felt like it probably would have originated with him. But, you know, if I'm to believe IMDb, he didn't write it. He so I thought, not, that, no. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, but I, I did like it overall. Um, I thought the performances by Carmichael and Christopher Abbott were also very good. You mentioned, you know, they, they play lifelong friends Mm -hmm. and I totally believed that they were the lifelong friends because their interactions with each other, the things they would say to each other, how they would behave. And and I just, I really believed their relationship. Um, I'll say too, um, the supporting turns by JB smooth and Henry Winkler. I -hmm. also thought were really good. They played JB smooth plays Carmichael's dad. Mm-hmm. who he has a very rough relationship with. Mm-hmm. And Henry Winkler plays a therapist that had worked with Christopher Abbott in the past. Um, and there are confrontations in the films with both of them. And uh, I thought they were well-directed, well-acted. Um, and yeah, this this film, you know, it's weird because it does, but I, it does have some comedic stuff, but it is very underplayed. And I would say, even though I liked this film, um, it's it's probably a one timer. Yeah, um, I don't because it is some of the scenes. I'll say there's an instance early on in the film that would have been really 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 tense. But I had watched the trailer, <laughs> and I was very thankful. This is a rare instance that I was thankful that I had watched the trailer because I knew how that scene of gun using guns was going to play mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still tense, but you know, just it's yeah. There's several times that you feel like you're watching. Just because it's just, it's unbelievably tense. Yeah. But I feel like if you can stomach it, it is ultimately rewarding. And I'll say the ending, which I won't give away, is tough. But I don't see how you could have a different ending because in a way, it the ending makes it so that it's not making light of the issues and it feels earned and correct, sad, but there is a glimmer of hope. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't really go into much more detail than sure. that. <laughs> but, no, so what, how did how did you take? And you're much more familiar with this comedy, so I could see if you come into this because it is slightly, ter- you know, it does have the comedy. You may think like, oh, 
and you're going to get more of that and you really don't. So I could see there being a level of disappointment. Well, maybe. but even his comedy in the short little experience I had was very, it's very underplayed comedy. It's okay. not, it's not punchline punchline. It is a little more observational about you know, human society, a little more observational about, about life in general. And it's also, he, he does dabble in some heavier subjects, even in his monologue, the okay. comedy that I did here. Again, my experience was a 15 minutes, uh, <laughs> sure. chops. Sure. Um, so it wasn't terribly surprising to see him go into this deeper subject matter for a first film. Um, I, I appreciated it. I, I think it was well done. It is a one-timer for me as well. I, I really have no desire to ever see no, this again. You disliked it per se. No, it's just okay. it, it is it is very very heavy on the sub, on the subject matter side. I, I will say acting wise, yes, I thought acting was good. I was generally more impressed with Christopher Abbott uh, oh. playing uh, the role of Kevin. Okay, I thought was very effective. Uh, Val, which was Carmichael's character. And I give I give Carmichael a little bit of a pass because I mean, he's also directing himself, so I, I get it. <laughs> sure, I, I felt like the only time I really felt like he he was really giving us uh, some good work was when he was delivering some really well crafted lines hmm. that were kind of matched for his his sensibility. Okay, when I felt like he was trying to act outside of those lines, uh, I, I didn't believe it. I didn't feel it as much. I didn't quite get the friendship vibe between them as oh, really? much. No, okay. not as much. Um, I, I felt like it was, it felt a little manufactured at times to me. Okay. Um, but overall, I think what the film is trying to say and accomplish and, and, and do, it works. It is a tough ending, but it is, like you said, it's the ending that I think it, it had to get to. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I'm about to write Apple and be like, you know, you label this and have it in your comedy section. So can I make a make an appeal to maybe have that moved or just what, to drama. what's the appeal process of, right. of, of having that relabeled to a drama? Uh, because it definitely is, definitely is more of that. Um, so no, it was good. I, I do think I, I was watching it really from the eye of a, you know, hey, this is somebody who is a comedian who's now directing something. And... It is well directed. I mean, the thing is, I mean, great. It's, it's another simple movie. I hate using that word "simple," but it is. Right? There's it not is. a huge sprawling plot. No, or it's sure. a fairly minimal cast, and like I think you hit on the the scenes that were kind of the scenes outside of this, just them driving and talking a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. relatively a straightforward film to direct, but in a film like this, you really want to make sure when you're directing it that you've got. The emphasis on the right people and their faces and their 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 expressions and how they're responding to each other. And I think this film shows that really well and, and played that up well. So that's a good kudos to Carmichael as a director. Uh, it will be interesting to see what he wants to tackle next because I think this is a good enough film to say that, yes, he deserves to be directing films and needs to be making more of them. So um, I think that's good. Um I was hoping I was going to go through the rest of my life without ever having to hear Papa Roach again. Okay, but counter that, and not that I'm a <laughs> Travis Tritt fan, but um, and I, I have heard of Travis Tritt. I'm not very familiar, yeah. but um, the Great Day to Be Alive song mm-hmm. that like they use it in the trailer. It's in the film, and then there's a callback to the film, yeah. a callback to the song. I just, I, I mean, that there's an example like if you can get me with a Travis Tritt needle drop. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And I, I just thought that was now. Grant, I don't. That's 
that may be more of a editing thing or in the writing that's called yeah. out, like just but it worked well well used so yeah, yeah. papa roach <laughs> but i think there again that's well, I mean, but it's played in the film the very much the way that I, I would have responded to it by Val's character, which right. is a little bit of disgust and just kind of frustration. But that was that was Kevin's outlet. That was his you thing. Know, so, yeah. And now you're, you're kind of convinced. I'm coming around to what you're saying. I, I thought both their performances were good and I bought the relationship. But I guess if I stop and think about it, the bigger moments or the moments of change or the moment like – the more character arc part, I guess you could say was more by Christopher Abbott's character yeah. um, because he, yeah, Kevin has some more struggles and there's a, there's another scene. I'll call it out without, you know, there again, without spoiling anything, but they go into a convenience store yeah. and they're not being uh, treated nicely by the clerk there. Mm-hmm. And Christopher Abbott's like way that he handles it is, I mean, it's it's not that this film would be up for an Oscar, but that would be like an Oscar scene, you know, yeah. because of how that's handled. And you just definitely really, had a lot more to, to kind of play with. Again, right. and I'm not saying Carmichael. A show your role, maybe. Yes. Yeah. I'm not saying Carmichael was a poor performance here at all. It was a good performance. But I think to me, there's a dialogue or scene he has with Tiffany Haddish, who's also uh-huh. in the film and has, sure. a, has a somewhat small role in the film. Um that I just I felt like unfortunately it just didn't work as well for me because Carmichael is not quite there on gotcha. that performance side. Um, you know, again, I, I think he's having to direct and and he's also a, a, a known comedian. So anytime a comedian I see trying to stretch into really heavy dramatic acting, it's it's hit or miss. It truly is hit or miss. And um, so I'm not I'm not. Claiming this is a fault, I just think it's something where it was a little more evident to me in that scene that, okay, you know, he's a very good director. I've heard him as a comedian, and he's good, and he's very insightful and has some really interesting observations on things. Dramatic acting, uh, maybe not quite 100% there, but um, but but it was still a good effort. So, no, overall, the film, the film was good. Uh, I, I just have a hard time giving it anything more than a good just because I'm so – so drained by the subject matter. It's just, it, it is a tough film. It is a very, very tough film. And uh, I feel bad for anybody who clicks on this with oh. the comedy section. Who maybe knows him from his comedy. He's like, oh man, he's made another, he's made a comedy. Boop. Yeah. And because it's not. And luckily I will say for the film's credit within the first five minutes, it kind of lets you know where it's going. And oh. if you're still on board after that, okay, you know where you, what you're getting into. It's not like it hides it right. and tries to play it off as a fluffy comedy for a long time until it gets serious. Yeah. No, it's pretty serious it from the, the first few minutes, and that's where it stays. So yeah. um, that is on the count of three. I, I, I will give it a tepid rec- recommendation only because I think there's some good talent here. I think there's some good things brewing in this, in this world, um, and I think it's a well-made film. I just uh, – just have a hard time recommending it to a lot of people. Um, oh yeah, it's a hard it's a hard recommendation, hard recommendation because of subject matter and how dark it is. But a uh, very tough th- watch. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, is that kind of where you are with it as yeah, well? I think or? I may. Uh, I you may like, like it a little, little more. more. Yeah, but, but um, I still yeah, it's 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 a tough watch. I mentioned it's a first timer, but definitely for a first film too, pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, only because I you know we use the star ratings on Letterbox. Uh, I'll, I'll say to me, it's a three. Mm. Three out of five, which, you know, again, my threes are, these are good movies. Sure. I'm not necessarily singing their praises over and above that as much, but I'm, I'm at about three star, which is still 
pretty pretty good for a film like this. You got any thoughts on where you would be? I don't know. I hate I'm to still, put you on the spot with right, the star I'm, rating. I'm just we. Ju- I just recently watched it last night for recording today. So, yes. um, it's definitely uh, probably a three and a half. Three and a half. So I was going to say that. Yeah. That sounds like that's where so, I would guess it for you. Sure. Going back to Petite Maman. Uh, that's that's a four. That's with a, a four heart. for you <laughs> on the letterbox scores. Yeah, I may go three and a half on that one. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I think like we've summed up. I'm a little notch below you on both of them, but they're both positive, good reviews. So good. It's always nice to have a little numbers and stars sure, to kind of help sure. us understand where we gauge, are. On these films. Gauge gauge interest. Right. Sure. So that is on the count of three. This is a film that is available right now online for rental. You know, Apple TV, Amazon, all those all those places you can actually rent this. And uh, watch it now if you choose to do so. All right, Chris. So we've had our reviews of Petite Maman and of the, on the count of three. So let's go ahead and take a quick little break. And we come back, we're going to have a couple of news items. And we're going to have our recommendations to share with everyone for this episode. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Foot Candle Films here in just a moment. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Hello, welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Here with Chris Fry, I'm Alan Jackson. We had our reviews of Petite Maman and On the Count of Three in the first half of the show. But now, Chris, let's move on to some newer things. We're talking some movie news here, either announcements or uh, project updates of films coming down the pike or maybe something we're kind of wanting to keep our eye on. Um, so, Chris, I think you have something for us. What do you want to share with us on our news today? So this is, I guess, if we were to slot this news item in the category, it'd be sounds like it could be good with maybe some trepidatious fear, you know, in the tone there to okay. people pick up on. Yes. So it has been announced that this is Spinal Tap. Uh-oh. Yeah. Careful where you go with this. <laughs> go ahead and continue. Yeah. It's getting a sequel. Oh. Right. The mockumentary done by Rob Reiner uh, stars Michael McKean, Christopher Guest, Harry oh, Shearer. No. Well, it's supposedly getting a sequel, but the original director, Rob Reiner, is attached to direct again, and Michael McKean, Christopher Guest, and Harry Shearer are all coming back. Well, that's the only positives I feel out of this. So, um, you know, this, the documentary or the mockumentary, it's, uh, is it late eighties from when their film was yeah, originally yeah. done? So it's, you know, or mid eighties, mid I, I feel like if they're reuniting, if they're going to do it, they in theory would have a good idea. Otherwise why bother? Um, because they don't seem like the kind of, um, people to just do it for money's sake. Although who doesn't like more money? Um, I, in theory, you know, the brief, like kind of rough details they have, you know, the first one was just like them following their career or whatever, or lack of career. Sometimes the first mockumentary, this one, the, the tone is supposed to be kind of, um, and it's going to be a 40th anniversary of the original. So it'll come out in 2024. The sequel will be in the style of Martin Scorsese's The Last Waltz. Mm-hmm. So maybe the band is like doing a final comeback or like final show and they'll have guests or whatever, kind of like they did for the band on the last waltz. So I think they've established hopefully kind of a conceit 
Um, we'll see or not whether they can play it off. And, you know, the thing is, you've got Rob Reiner, which I really liked, the original Spinal Tap. Christopher Guest, who's responsible for things like Best in Show and A Mighty Wind and Waiting for Guffman. So he kind of took the original Rob Reiner mockumentary thing. He's like, yeah, I can, I can do this. And he kind of went off on his own and did all this stuff. Harry Shearer, of course, did Voices for The Simpsons. And uh, Michael McKean was on Better Call Saul. And, you know, he's the original Laverne and Shirley dude. You know, um, But... I think these people have all got, I feel like they're doing this because they really want to do it because they're really, hopefully really passionate about it. I like you, I, I am, I'm really surprised a, but I, I'm hoping that it'll be good. And I'll probably, I'll probably, I'll go see it. I'll give, I'll give it a shot just oh. because I feel like with everybody yeah. involved, they're all returning. Um, well, it helps that I, I I'll, I'll absolutely go see it. Spinal tap is one of my, favorite comedies. <laughs> sure. And I love rock documentaries to begin with. So rock and roll. It's infinitely band. quotable. So the, original. the quotable, uh, just in, you see the nucleus of this whole mockumentary style film that really wasn't around. I don't think much in before spinal tap. When a lot of people thought the original was real, was real. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so. Cause it's shot in and done as a truly real film. Right. And, uh, no, I love it. I'm God, but I'm, I'm nervous. Now, granted, I'll admit, it's true that, you know, Rob Reiner directed the original, and I don't know how much influence, um, oh gosh, I'm already drawing a blank on the names. I don't know how much of a, uh, uh, how much influence Christopher Guest had on the writing of Spinal Tap, because like you said, after Spinal Tap, he went with Waiting for uh, for Guffman, and did uh, Best in Show, he did A Mighty Win, all these that were great. Right. I mean, especially best in show. I mean, I still think is like just was to me probably his peak of where okay. he was really like knocking it out of the park. So he, whether or not he really had a role in the writing of the original one or, or he was inspired by that film to right. say, Oh, now I can go out and make these too. I don't know. So be really curious to see bringing this whole group back together. Can they pull up something good? If, if they are truly keeping it as meta as possible and like, yes, it is them at their 40th year anniversary <laughs> of their biggest album or when they were at their peak and right. they've all gone their own separate ways and they have to bring the band back together and it could be fun. Right. But it's, you know, it's, it's risky. It is a little risky. It's a risk that, you know, if I'm going to have to subject myself to Top Gun Maverick, then I'm willing to sit. I, I'm willing to give you know a Spinal Tap sequel uh, a pass. I'm willing to accept. And I'm curious. The more you know, early reviews for Top Gun Maverick, which we will be discussing on this show, have come out, and they are just glowing. And Chris, go ahead and note they are glowing not just in the uh, USA Today you know reviewer type of thing. These are people that we follow and trust. Yes. yes. On online platform like Letterbox, giving it positive reviews. Absolutely, and I'm I am I am shocked. So I hope uh, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I feel vindicated a little bit. So now we'll wait and see. I don't like the I don't like overhyping the film because now I'm going to go in right and could be. I'm worried about I'm worried about you. I'm not worried about me because if anything, I'll think it's actually decent. But I'm worried about you because yeah, Yeah, I I may come in a little with a little higher expectation now. Right. Um, okay. Spinal tap. I'm curious, you know, it's kind of interesting. I think so. Top gun came out in 86, I believe. So it's not quite hitting its 40th year. It is, you know, 36 years or so. Gotcha. Um, 
This is slated for 2024. The original did come out in 84, so it is truly going to hit the 40th 40th. anniversary. Um, Okay, we will see. Yeah. It could be good. Could be good. But I'm I'm a little concerned, a little worried about it. All right. Well, Chris, kind of on that note, um, you mentioned Top Gun. Yes. And this is not my next news item, but I just want to kind of play off that a little bit. Yeah, you have noted that there have been some reviews coming in for Top Gun Maverick that have been very, very positive. So I'm cautiously optimistic about Same that. better than the original. <laughs> but of course, some people have also said, well, that's a pretty low bar. But <laughs> <laughs> I take issue with them for that of comment. Course, I course. do think saying it's better than the original is quite a claim. It's blasphemy. Um, <laughs> but I tell you, another film that I just happened to read um, is getting some interesting early high praise, a film we've talked about. We actually showed the trailer for a few episodes ago, the Baz Luhrmann film Elvis. One person in particular making some very high claims about that film, Elvis. Did you read this? I, I think if it's one Mr. Lisa Marie Sam, Presley. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lisa, Ms. the Marie. daughter of Elvis, uh, has come out and said that she has seen the film twice. She says it is a perfect film about her father and mother because it's very much about the two of them. Gotcha. And she also is claiming that you know uh, the lead actor should be uh, in contention for best actor. Anyway. I, I think that's good to hear. I, you know, anytime you don't hear from family members of a docu- of a of a uh, real life biopic subject, you're like, okay, well, either either it's because the film is being very real and showing the 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 pros and cons of this person, and sure. the, the family doesn't want to acknowledge it, or the family hates the film. Well, and, and the, the one thing that could make you kind of nervous is hearing that you're afraid that it's gonna do too much like worship of Elvis. Right. Like, you know, Oh, it's just putting him up on a pedestal and it's just a very glossy shimmery. But you know, even seeing the trailer, I I don't see how this is going to be a perfect. Let's, let's put this big sheen and shine on him. I mean, a lot of the trailer, again, I know it's a trailer and it's edited to be a certain way, but seems to show a lot of the, the darker side and uglier side of him too. So, um, and I don't really get the impression that like Elisa Marie Pressler has ever really shied away from the, the challenges her father faced gotcha. and some of the, uh, some of the choices he made as well. Anyway, I'm just, I thought that was interesting to hear. I thought it, that was, um, uh, encouraging. Definitely. Um, I'm still very excited about that film. Probably. Yeah. Probably Top Gun and Elvis. That's like my two that I'm just the most kind of giddy excited to see this summer um, well and i at the back in january of this year i kind of put together a top 10 list of films that i was most looking forward to of this year you know it was over on letterboxd mm-hmm. had everything everywhere all at once but one of the mm-hmm. films i had on there was elvis yes um because boz lorman i mean granted i guess if i think about it the one film of his that i really 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 just adore and like a whole bunch is moulin rouge yes his Same other here. films have been, you know, some of them I've liked, like Strictly Ballroom I like, but they, they've never quite hit that mark, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I'm really hoping this can kind of bring me back. I mean, totally, it's a biopic, so it's not, you know, different type thing, but I don't know, the trailer did get me excited. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. Okay, good, so. good. Well, let me, let me give another news item. This one, not quite as uh, big, impactful as a Spinal Tap reunion film. <laughs> But um, it is of interest to me, and I, I want to bring it up, Chris, because I I don't know, I don't know who these people or characters are, and I think you'll be able to help me out with this. Okay. Um, as you can imagine, you know, Dune Part One 
the uh, Denis Villeneuve version of Dune is a success. I mean, it was nominated for Oscar Academy Awards. It um, seemed to do pretty well, even though it was released still in the midst of a pandemic with a split HBO release. Yeah, because there was that whole thing. Are they going to complete the second part? Right, because it was still supposedly undecided until it actually was released whether they were going to do a second part, which would have been a travesty if they didn't (laughs) do the second the way the first one. Right set everything up and and then just kind of left you hanging. They are doing part two. So it is moving forward. It's going to be a while because I mean, they're just now finishing up some casting news. That means they haven't even started rolling camera necessarily on a lot of it. Sure. But here's a couple of new characters and people who have been cast in there. I just need you to help me understand who these people are. I'll try. Okay. You've, you've at least seen the original Dune and you've, Read? I have seen the original Dune and I have read the book. Read the book. And this may be blasphemy I know it's been a long to time lots ago. of fans, but I didn't think the book was that great. Hey, didn't enjoy the book <laughs> so, as much. All right. Right. Good to know. Um, so we have Christopher Walken is joining the cast. And he's going to be as Shadam, the Padishash Emperor of the Known Universe. That ring in a bell at all? Vaguely. I can't remember his corollary in the original David Lynch Dune. But to me, adding Christopher Walken is always a bonus. So that yeah, no, you know, I'm I'm happy about and it. And actually, just, him doing him doing kind of sci-fi and not something that's supposed to be the Vegas bit comedic or like. Well, I mean, he's done dramatics, but yeah, I'm I'm curious. I am. That's that's exactly where I was going with it. I, I if you think about everything I've seen Christopher Walken do, he's always good. Yeah. But he's he's definitely his his veer more towards either comedy dark comedy kind of subversive comedy uh, i haven't seen him do a truly straight like drama like you know him like straight faced straight character reading and i can't think of how long that's been i mean i really I mean, can't even think of the last one yeah i mean he was like in deer hunter and communion but well sure like yeah, yeah back in the 70s ago. and 80s yeah, but most I, of his stuff is comedy i can't think of anything like, past that yeah. so to see him play a truly like stoic character yeah. would be really I think it'd be fun to see again. Yeah. So he will be as Shadam the Fourth. Okay. The Emperor. Uh we got Florence Pugh joining the cast as the Emperor's daughter. Gotcha. Princess Urulan. Sure. Um and her, you know, she, I liked her in um what's the really creepy film? Midsummer. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh Little Women, she was good in that. So yeah, I'm excited to see her Work and there again, her in Dune. Okay, you know, it's just, yeah. yeah it's. And then the last one I was going to mention is tying in with Elvis, Austin Butler, who will be playing Elvis in the Elvis movie, but not Elvis in Dune. He will not be playing Elvis <laughs> okay. in Dune, he will be playing Fade uh, Rothra Harkonnen. Okay, which now, is that is the role that Sting, Sting. played so, back in the uh, interesting that they've got yeah. somebody who's also can sing as also not that That's a good point. Sting did not sing in the original Dune, but Fayed uh, does not sing in Dune at all. I, I believe I don't believe so. Okay, so but it's interesting that they cast yeah. a singer in both. Yeah, so that'll so huh. three interesting actors to add in the mix. I mean, they already yeah. had a good cast to begin with, but you know, I mean, spoiler, you know. In the first Dune, you did lose a few along the way. So they kind of replenished the stock a little bit of actors. Um, <laughs> right. But I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to when this does eventually come out. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to be, but now and I'm And I can't remember it. our original reviews. I think I was slightly less for it than you were. Yeah, I, mean, we I was definitely a little more. It, but I think it's just... I was just really disappointed that they couldn't kind of wrap it up in, in yeah. one. So. Well, I think that was the big thing. I don't think a lot of people knew... 
that was the case going into it. And so it was a real kind of shock and disappointment for a lot of people to see that it really just kind of ended. And just imagine if there had not been a part two, it's like, why does this movie even exist? exist. Like it serves no purpose anymore. It needs to just be kind of wiped out of film history because it's half a story, you know? So just happy to know we're getting the second story. Happy to know they put in three interesting actors. I think will be fun to watch. Sure. Along with, of course, Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya will be playing a bigger part because her role was very small in the first part, but it's mainly a second half of the story part. So, all right. Well, that's our news for today, Chris. So it sounds like we've got a Spinal Tap reunion film. (laughs) Top Gun's getting good reviews. Elvis is getting good reviews, at least from a certain family member. (laughs) And Dune's got some new cast members coming up for part two. All right, Chris. So now is the time where we go into our recommendations. It's the last part of our show. You and I both give a recommendation of a film that we want to have people remember or check out or maybe see if it's a brand new film. As always, Chris, you see you see more and more interesting films than I do. So I'm just going to go ahead and set this up. Mine's, I may have used mine before, which is kind of <laughs> okay. the case with my recommendations. I feel like I'm kind of recycling some, but I've got a reason for, for mine coming out now. Okay. But, um, why don't you go ahead and give yours sure. first? Well, um, you know, you've actually kind of teased my recommendation. Okay. Um, not being familiar with Jared Carmichael at all, really. I'd heard yeah. of him. After watching On the Count of Three, I uh, wanted to <laughs> I wanted to laugh, and I'd heard that he'd had a special out on HBO that had just recently come out called Rothaniel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, let me see how – and I knew, like I said, I, I was aware that he was a comedian, but I'd never seen his comedy. I'm like, okay, let me see how this dude is as a comedian. Um and I can recommend Jared Carmichael, Roth Annual. Uh, it's a you know, typical stand-up comedy show. He does it at a, a jazz club that's legendary in New York City, the Blue Note Jazz Club. What also drew my interest, too, when I queued it up, because it's streaming on HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max, it's free. Was that Bo Burnham directed it. Oh. And you know how I was a huge fan of Inside that Bo Burnham did. Um this is not that this is more of your traditional comedy special where it is him up on stage with an audience. Um, but like you kind of referenced his comedy is very personal mm-hmm. and sometimes it can hit on some serious subjects as well. Um, but I really admired his special. And I thought it was really interesting. Also, I think it's one of this is you can see people make comments about this online. This may be the only time I've ever seen audience participation kind of work mm-hmm. and like not, it's not like he asked them, Hey, where are you from? But sometimes people shout out questions and they'll actually put it up on the bottom of the screen, what the person said, yeah. and he'll sit and think for a moment mm-hmm. and kind of respond. And it's not always jokes either. It's kind of like questions about his personal life or stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really interesting. And it, you know, I, yeah. And granted Bo Burnham, not only does he direct it, but he edits it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure, sure there is some clever editing involved to kind of take out people that are just, you know, trying to be mm-hmm. hecklers or whatever, but, um, pow- powerful too. Okay. Um, the stand-up special that ends up kind of being a uh, powerful about, you know, family and you know stuff. So yeah, Jared Carmichael, Ruth Annual, if you're familiar with him and you haven't seen it yet, then you should probably check it out. Uh, if you're interested from our discussion on, on the count of three, but don't want to check that movie out because it's too heavy for yeah. you. Might I suggest, if you're still interested in who Jared Carmichael might be, 
um, I suggest uh, checking out that special on HBO. And it's 2022, so it's relatively newly released, I believe. Okay, good. Yeah, I was curious about that. I've been meaning to check that out as well. I was already looking forward to checking it out after just seeing him on SNL, but after seeing this film now, I definitely want to check out more of his, his stand-up work. So good. All right. Uh, I, I feel like I've done this before, but so be it. Um, <laughs> tomorrow at the time we're recording this tomorrow is actually an election day. It it's is. a midterm, uh, not a midterm. What's it, a primary? Um, yeah, it's primary. It's primary, but it's also for here in the state of North Carolina. We had so many things delayed with some redistricting uh, issues and lawsuits and all that, that, even like our local municipal elections are being held tomorrow, which is mid-May, which is weird. But it is weird. It's, it's what's happening. Um, and then, of course, you know, we're going to get to November where there's always a lot of uh, focus on what's going to happen with the midterm elections coming up November 2022. Right. So, you know, it's not like politics have ever gone away, but they just seem to kind of get heightened at this time of year. And we hear a lot more about things. And it, every time... I get too wrapped up thinking about the political landscape. I have to reset my brain a little bit and think back to what should our politics look like? And there's a film that always just puts me in a much better frame of mind hmm. and a much more optimistic view of what a, the role of, let's say a president. I'm trying to figure be. out what this could be. Is it <laughs> Dave? It is Dave. Oh, is it Dave? It okay. is Dave. Absolutely. <laughs> Dave is one of my guilty pleasure films. I love it. Uh, it's so simple and sweet and just a good hearted film. Totally unbelievable. Who Who's in it? Uh, Kevin Klein. Okay. Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver. It is okay. an Ivan Reitman film. Okay. Um, as far as Ivan Reitman comedies go, it's a very light comedy. It is, you know, got some, uh, some serious moments to it, but the idea for those of you not familiar with this film, a sweet natured temp agency operator who happens to also be an amateur president lookalike is recruited by the Secret Service to become a temporary stand-in for the President of the United States. The President of the United States uh, is incapacitated due to a little dalliance he's having, a relationship. Uh, it causes him a heart attack during kind of a heated moment. Uh, so he actually is, I think, in a coma for a while, and they need a stand-in for the President. So here comes uh, Kevin Klein, starring as Dave Kovic, who happens to look identical to the president because, you know, he plays the president as well. <laughs> sure. And um, he has to be the stand-in for a while. And the idea is that he's at first just meant to be a, a ceremonial stand-in. Just uh, We just need you to be at this place. We just need you to wave your hand here. and We just need you to walk from here to here. But then because Dave is now in the role of president, he actually gets to get make some things happen. And hmm. there's a whole sequence in this film that – I look at and I think, gosh, in a perfect world, this is how things should work. This is mm. how our government should work. This is how politics should run, no matter what side you're on. And I realize it's Pollyannish, and I know it's it's I mean unheard of to think that somebody <laughs> could roll into the role of president and figure out all these ways to cut unnecessary things out of the budget and put more money into things that should be going doing right and listening to the right people and, and doing the right moves. I realize that's a very, very, um, it, it's not, it's not genuine to think that that's even possible, but it's nice to dream. So you know, it's, it's nice kind to of some comfort food. It is. It's very much my presidential, my, my po political comfort food. Sure. When I start to get really frustrated or down with how I kind of see things around, around the country in general. Sure. Um, so like I said, it is Ivan Reitman, which, you know, he's done obviously a lot of big comedy films and 
done some you know Ghostbusters and many others, but this one, it's funny, but it's it's a light comedy. It is much more a feel good message story about you know what the role of somebody in a, a, a leadership role like this, what that should look like. Hmm. Um, there's somebody on Letterboxd who made a review of this and they made a comment I just think is perfect. It's Drusilla is her name on Letterboxd. She said, our constitution should have an amendment that says all new presidents must watch Dave before their inauguration. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, not that I think it would make a much of a difference to most of them, <laughs> but I do agree with that amendment. I would be fully in support of that. So hmm. that's, it's from 1993. It's Dave. Where is it? Is it readily available online? Cause I don't think I, that Dave is one of those films that I feel like I've seen, but I'm not sure I've seen. So I, I think I need to check it out. Cause I think like you're saying, I can you can some. rent it. I mean, it, yeah, it's a rental. I don't okay. know if it's available on streaming anywhere. I'd have okay. to look and see. I honestly didn't check that, okay. but it's, you know, you can rent it for four bucks anywhere gotcha. on Amazon or Apple TV or anywhere like that. So gotcha. I just think it's a, Nice, sweet, pleasant film. Kevin Klein's always fun to watch. I, I enjoy him in just about everything he does. And uh, Sigourney Weaver's great as well as Mrs. Mitchell, the the first lady. And uh, the relationship she forms with Dave is very interesting. And uh, hmm. it's a good. It's just a good film. Okay. So I just I like it. It's my my guilty pleasure, my comfort food, but uh, it is what <laughs> I enjoy. So cool. okay, so that is our recommendations. He ha- uh, Chris recommended the. Uh, Jared Carmichael special. What was the name again? Uh, Rothaniel. Rothaniel. That's right. And then I recommended Dave from Ivan Reitman starring Kevin Klein from 1993. All right, Chris. So if anybody has some feedback for us, thoughts, questions, ideas, uh, dialogue about either of the two reviews we did at the front of the show, how can they get a hold of us? You can send us an email to info at footcandle.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm. Uh, as you can probably imagine, because we've mentioned it a couple of times in the show, Al and I are both on Letterboxd, where we try to track what we're seeing and sometimes leave uh, short reviews and make lists. Do us a favor. If you uh, like the show, give us a star rating and write a review or share with friends on whatever service you receive your favorite podcasts on. It'll help us reach new listeners. We'd appreciate it. We mentioned, Alan mentioned at the top of the show that we are co-founders of One Foot Candle Film Festival, which we are, and we want to let you know that it'll be held this year, September 21st through the 25th. So um, if you're in North Carolina and I can attend, it'll be in Hickory, North Carolina. That'd be great. If you live in North Carolina and can't make it here personally, in person, we will have the option to uh, stream the films this year. So uh, keep that in mind come September 21st through the 25th. All right. That has been our show then today. And uh, we hope to see you maybe at the festival later this year, or at least if not that coming back for the next episode that we release of foot candle films, our ongoing film review and discussion podcast. So we're going to tune out for now, but we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks everyone. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Toller for the show theme music. 
For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.